Um, we're looking at can you trust God? Uh, is he trustworthy? And can you actually trust him? Can you actually come to the place where you trust God? Uh, God wants you to trust him. It's important to him. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without you trusting him, it's impossible to please God. And he can be trusted. Our three truths, uh, in fact, I should blank some of these out for next week and have you go through them. God is completely sovereign. We're going to look at that tonight. Uh, What do we mean when we say that God is sovereign? He's in control of everything, yeah. It's kind of like a king is a sovereign. And, and again, we're, we're, we're not familiar with the idea of a sovereign in that, in that sense. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Queen Elizabeth in England can't do anything she likes. You know, she's, a, she's a figurehead. She has to go to the parliament and have it passed. And um, they'd pretty sh- soon shoot her down if she decided to do something ridiculous, and she'd be out of a job and have lost her crown. Right? So we're not used to the idea of an absolute monarch. But uh, in year time gone by, the, uh, the, the, the king saw himself as the agent of God, and he was an absolute monarch. He reigned sovereignly uh, over uh, his people, and they couldn't question him. You know, David didn't have any counsel that could say to him, no, you can't do this, David. He had people who entered for counsel, but that was just to help him. He was the king. He was the man. Uh, he ruled, and that was typical, right? Uh, so God is completely sovereign in all things. He is infinite in wisdom. So he's in absolute control. He is infinite in wisdom. He knows everything. He knows the questions you and I couldn't even frame. He knows the answers. He knows all of it. He knows everything about you since the moment you were born until the moment you die and into eternity. He knows all of it. There's nothing hidden from God. He knows all of it. And he is wise. He knows what to do in the situation. We think we know what to do in the situation, but so often we don't. We do not know. <clears throat> and then he's perfect in love. Right? Now, uh, that's a winning combination for us. Somebody who is powerful enough to control it all, who is wise enough to know what's best to do, and who loves me with a perfect love. Yeah, I'm safe. Right? That's the God we're being asked to trust. We're being asked to trust the God who is this. Right? Um, and I realize some of the things we're looking at, we're having to bite deep uh, into to take them. And it's better for us to bite deep into it in the moment when we're not going through it than for us to have to try and bite into it why we're going through uh, a very difficult time, right? <clears throat> so he's got in control. That we talked about providence. Providence uh, is God's supervision and control of everything. Sometimes God's providence, we only talk about God's providence as being good. I was reading a letter today, and um, somebody was talking about the fact that their car made it home, uh, and then the, the, <clears throat> the radiator blew up, right? And I mean, that's God's providence, right? Uh, but you know what? It would have been God's providence if it had blown up on the road too. Now, just the, the, the thing about it is that we like providence when it does good things for us. But you know what? God's always in control of everything. Even the, the stuff that's not what we want him to do. Uh, God sustains his creation. He is the sustainer of it all. He is in charge of it all. And he keeps it all going. Without him, uh, it becomes a chaos, not a cosmos. He sustains his creation. Um, uh, He sustains life. He sustains you and I. Uh, In him, we live and breathe. Right? Uh, Our times are in his hand. You're you're going to live just exactly as long as the Lord says you're going to live. And, um, you you know, you can do anything you like to do. Uh, You you know, and it's right for you. By the way, uh, the fact that God is sovereign doesn't negate free will. And we'll talk about that as we go to, uh, you know, but because my times are in God's hands, doesn't mean I consider the couch, become a couch potato and um, never get any exercise and not eat the right foods because I'm going to live as long as I'm going to live. Right. Uh, well, there's living and there's living, isn't there? Uh, and God might just allow you to bear the consequences of that. So, you know, uh, you're supposed to be a good steward of what he's given you, including your body. Right? <clears throat> then God governs all things everywhere. Always. The sparrows, uh, from the sparrow to the king, God's in charge of all of it. Chance or luck is excluded, right? 
I was looking at the, um, the, I was over in the shop buying, buying something today, right? And I was looking at the counter and there's 11 million on the Euro lotto tonight. I think there's more than that. And there's 11 million on the Irish lotto and there's more than that on the Euro lotto. And you know, good night, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of money. And you know, what they're selling you is the idea that, you know, uh, if you buy a ticket, you have one chance in all those of winning. Chances out of the picture there. You know, the God's in control of all of it. I, <clears throat> that's why I wouldn't buy one. <laughs> one of the reasons why I wouldn't buy one, right? Because uh, I'd just be wasting money, right? <clears throat> anyway, that's, an, that's another story. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> The sovereignty of God is what we're looking at tonight. Right? <clears throat> Psalm 33, 10 and 11. That's a word of prayer, and then we'll just begin. Father, bless us now. Help us as we look to your word, Lord. Help us to get our heads around it and our hearts around it, and help us to see you in a deeper way, Lord, that we might love you more and that we might rest in you uh, as a God that loves us and cares for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, Psalm 33, 10 and 11. Uh, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. All right? So the Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. Can somebody plan something against you and get it through without God? Now, that, that, that's a good question, isn't it? Anybody ever done anything bad on you? Of course they have, haven't they? <laughs> They've done bad things. That's the, that's the world we live in. And I mean, so where was God in that? Was he, was he a bystander? Where, where was he in that situation? <clears throat> God is in charge of all of it. If he lets it into your life, he lets it into your life because his purpose is to do good in your life with it. They may plan evil, but God plans good, and he takes it and he uses it. They may be responsible before God for doing wrong, but God's going to use it in your life. He's going to take over and use it in your life. Joseph being our classic example. Alan. Okay. 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 So in a sense, the enemy is winning some people's spiritual loss or winning. Because you're saying that God, God's sovereignty is, is in all of that. Okay. <clears throat> You've thrown a whole lot of questions all into one, Alan. <laughs> all right. Um, is God sovereign in the area of salvation? Let me ask you the question. Is God sovereign in the area of, the area of salvation? By the way, what do we call emphasizing God's sovereignty in salvation. What's the doctrine? What do we call it? Calvinism. Right? We call it Calvinism. Calvinism, extreme Calvinism, goes to the place where God has chosen some people to get saved, and they're going to get saved. And God has chosen some people not to get saved, and they're going to go to hell. Right? Now, that's not what we're saying, right? <clears throat> uh, when we look at the issue of people getting saved, who remembers making the decision the choice. The Spirit of God had done His work. You knew you needed getting saved. And you actually sat there and debated your decision. I remember clearly for me. All right. So, so a bunch of you remember, right? You remember actually thinking it through. And could you have said no? All right. You could have said no, couldn't you? Um, and um, then you would not have been saved. Now, here's your question. Would it have been God's will for you to be saved, or would it have been God's will for you not to be saved? It would have been God's will for you to get saved, but it was your choice. He wouldn't, he wouldn't bend your free will with it, right? So what you've got is, you've got 
God giving you free will in the situation, and you get to choose. But you don't get to choose the consequences. He's sovereign over the consequences. And because he's God, he knows what you're going to choose before time. And so he's planned with your choice in mind. Which, you see, when we, when we begin to go that far, we get lost because we think, how can somebody do that? Right? A good chess player can read the chess moves to the end of the game. Right? But he can't read tomorrow's games. You know? <clears throat> and, um, but God is infinite. God can read the games that are going to happen a million years from now. It's all in his head. All right? So he's taken and he's, and he's planned. So here's what God does. God gives us a legitimate free will choice as far as salvation is concerned. It's, 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 it's real. It's, and if you choose, right, you're saved. Uh, and if you choose not to, you're not saved. Okay? So the, the, but there is, there is a free will choice in it. But God's sovereign will comes in in that, you know, Ultimately, God has planned for all that's going to happen anyway, according to his foreknowledge. Well, yes and no. Right? Um, we don't have input into God's sovereignty. We have free will, okay? He knows what we're going to choose, and he plans accordingly. See, the Bible says that he chose us according to his foreknowledge. Knowing how we would, cho- knowing how we would choose him, he chose us ahead of time. Now, look, your, your mind bombs out at a certain point when you, try and, when you try and grapple with the infinite. But free will is real, and sovereignty is real. That's why, by the way, you know, you, you've got men like, like Spurgeon uh, who, who would be called a Calvinist. But if you read Spurgeon, you'll see him, sometimes he says things that are very Calvinistic. And then he'll say things that seem to be free will. And why? Because both are in the Bible. Both are real. You can't, you can't, exclude, you, you can't exclude either end of it. We, we tend to do that, by the way, and it creates terrible error for us. What we do is we... we we decide that we're going to focus on one side of what's going on. Well, no, you've got these two. There's a tension between free will and God's sovereignty. That's weird because they're both there. They're both in the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's a great question, right? Is it possible that somebody could die in their sins and go to hell because you didn't present the gospel to them? Pardon? Okay. He he could use some. He could use somebody else. But is it possible? that they would die in their sins and go to hell because you didn't actually bring the gospel to them. Sorry, Mikey? Yes. Okay. You know in Ezekiel 33 where it talks about the, the man with the blood on his hands? Yes, and Paul actually references that from the book of Acts. Right? Now, the man with the blood on his hands, without us going through a whole, whole big study on that, the man with the blood on his hands has blood on his hands because he didn't warn the person. Now, if he had warned him and the guy had said no and gone his own way, he wouldn't have blood on his hands. If he had warned him and he had turned to God, he wouldn't have blood on his hands. But if he failed to warn him and he went to his doom, then the man had blood on his hands. And Paul used that. Paul says, I'm free from the blood of all men. Because he hasn't, he, he, what, what Paul is saying is, I, I, I didn't shun to declare the whole gospel to people. I, 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 I did what I was supposed to do. Right? So we do need to understand that, that there's a responsibility on lost people to get saved. Okay? 
and God is working in their hearts. But there's a responsibility put on us too to reach out to them with the gospel. Now, we're not responsible for saving anybody. Because we can't. Fine? Well, well, <clears throat> saving yourself is probably the wrong way of looking at it, David. But w- what you do is you come to the place where you trust Christ, where you decide to trust him and get saved, right? But, you know, but nobody can make you do that. And it's important that when you're talking to people about, the, about salvation, that they understand that this is between you and God. Nobody can force you to do this. This is totally between them and God. They've got to come to the persuasion in their own minds. So there's no point in you doing a hard sell and getting them over the line. Because it's a spiritual thing. They need to understand uh, it's of God. But <clears throat> the thing about it is that while the gospel is presented and people have a responsibility there, God says also to you, you're responsible for delivering it. So do, do, do you see when we, when we start trying to pull sovereignty and free will together, we end up in a place where we, 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 we can't get them together. We just have to accept that they're both there. It's beyond us. But, but, but they are both there. But God is sovereign, and man has free will as far as salvation is concerned. And you see, here's the thing. Talk about Joseph and his brothers. <clears throat> it's a different story, but the same thing, right? Did Joseph's brothers do David wrong? Were they wicked, mean, low scoundrels? The, the worst of the worst, right? You know, take your brother, throw him in a pit, and then, oh, listen, we'll make a few bob out of him, and let's sell him. I mean, <clears throat> that's pretty wicked, right? Okay, now, so... Did, did, did they have free will in that? Yeah. Okay? They had free will in it, right? Now, was God sovereign in that? Yeah. You meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good. So God was... Work- what God does is God... The way I see it is, what God does is God takes our crazy decisions and all the rest of it, and he takes and uses it, works it into his plan. Let me ask you this. Is God going to get what he wants in the end game anyway? Yeah, he's God. He's going to get, he's going to get what he wants in the end game. Now, how he's, how he's going to get, with our free will in the mix between, you know, the garden and there is kind of beyond me how he, how he does it. But in the end, he ends up getting what he wants. Now, does he offer salvation genuinely to everybody? Genuine gift. Did Jesus offer himself as king to the nation of Israel? Genuine offer. They rejected it, so they lost it. People reject salvation, and they lose salvation. So God's sovereignty, it's almost, it's, it's almost to me like all this, stuff, all this free will stuff is going on here, and God is involved uh, in it here, but over all of it, there's the sovereignty of God where he's actually working it out to achieve what he wants to achieve anyway. Right? And that can seem scary to us, until we remember, no, 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 he loves me. And he loves them all. There's nobody on this planet that God doesn't love. Right? There's nobody on this planet that God wouldn't save. And he loves them all. He would save all of them. You know? And um, so he offers a genuine salvation, but people reject it and people say no. Now, and we're kind of soft. So, you know, if somebody, if somebody rejects, we, we want to give them, you know, we, we want to kind of, um, give them an out clause. And it's not like God just stops at one offer of salvation. And you, you, now if, if, to offer it one time is more than we should expect. But what he does is you see him working in people's lives over and over and over again. I think he actually keeps people alive to give them opportunity to get saved. But when they refuse to get saved and it's over, it's over with God and he doesn't you know, he. How do I put this without without it sounding harsh? Remember the, remember the rich young ruler. Right, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, "What do I have to do to be saved?" And and, and Jesus explained, "Listen, you know what you need to do. What's your problem? Is your problem is your money? You need to leave it all, sell everything you have, and come follow me." And the guy turns and walks away. Now. The Bible already had told us that Jesus saw him and loved him. Actually loved this guy. Right? But he didn't run after him. You and I would have run after him, wouldn't we? You and I, you and I, you and I would have softened the um <clears throat> the deal. We would have said, Well, okay, listen, don't give it all up. You know, that's too harsh. That's kinda kinda let's do it bit by bit. Let's 
He doesn't. He lets us choose, and he lets us bear the consequences of our choices, too. All right. <clears throat> okay, good question. Um, <clears throat> we didn't get lost for too long in it, right? Um, so the sovereignty of God. In the year 1902, a young English boy came down to breakfast to find his father reading the newspaper, which carried the news of the preparations for the first coronation in Britain uh, in 64 years. In the middle of breakfast, the father turned to his wife and, <clears throat> and, oh, I am sorry to see this worded like this, she said. What is it? Why, he replied, here is a proclamation that on a certain date, Prince Edward will be crowned king at Westminster, and there is no Deo Valente. Deo Valente is DV. You ever see DV on a letter? Actually, somebody today, I was going to prepare for this, and somebody today booked a dog into the kennels for July, and she put in DV. I haven't seen it in years. <laughs> but DV, Deo Valente. Right? God willing. Uh, the word stuck in the young boy's mind for the reason that on the appointed day, the future King Edward VI was, seventh, was sick with appendicitis, and the coronation had to be postponed. Right? Now, so here's what we're saying. England, at the height of its power could not carry out its planned coronation. At the height of its power, they put a proclamation out. They said they were going to have a coronation on that day, and they couldn't do it. Why? Because the king got sick. All the, all the physicians and everything else couldn't, couldn't sort this situation out. Uh, he, he couldn't be crowned on that day. It had to be postponed. postponed. Now, Why? Was it just chance? Ah, oh, you know what? People get appendicitis. That's just the way it goes. That's just the way the thing rolls. Was it just chance? <clears throat> um, was it just bad luck? You know, we talk about bad luck, don't we? That's our rotten luck, bad luck. Was, was it just bad luck? Or was it the will of God? Now, look, that's a key question for us. And each one of you got to be persuaded in your own mind. How involved is God in his world? Don't, don't we tend to think, well, listen, Matt, it is too complicated if you take it that God is involved in everything. How could anybody, well, we're not talking about anybody here, we're talking about God. We're talking about the God who not a sparrow falls from the air without his will, it being his will for the sparrow to fall from the air. We're talking about the God who has the hairs on your head numbered. Not just counted, but numbered. He knows the number of each one of them. So we're talking about the God who is involved in everything in his world. Now, now, work with your, think this through for yourself. Right? You know, look at it in Scripture. Uh, and you begin to see it everywhere in Scripture. We're talking about a God who is involved in everything that happens. Nothing happens apart from him. Do people do bad stuff? Yeah. Is God responsible for the bad stuff they do? No. But they can't do the bad stuff unless he allows it. Unless he's involved in it. They can't do it. You know, so you can't just, you know, we, we can't have this dichotomy where we have the devil does bad stuff and God does good stuff. Because then what you're doing is you're taking away from God's sovereignty. No. God is in charge of all of it. And the devil's only allowed what, to do what God ultimately wants for him to do. Right? <clears throat> now, so what do you think it was? How many, how many of you say it's just bad luck? <laughs> Nobody's going to say that tonight, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, it's the will of God. And by the way, there are times you'll notice in public affairs, a lot of times we'll look at this too, you won't see God's hand in stuff. But there are some of those times where things happen and you go, that's a bit close to the bone. How did that happen? One of the things that, 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 that strikes me, remember the actor that played um, Superman? Right? Now, Superman is basically, was basically, you know, uh, a lesser form of a god. Well, he fell off a horse and he became a quadriplegic. You know, so you have Superman becoming a quadru, quadru, quadriplegic and, you know, <coughs> our picture of might and power and strength so often gets turned upside down. And God does that. Because remember, we, we, we know some things about God that, that help us. God is a jealous God. He will not suffer. Uh, he won't, won't share his glory with anyone. And sometimes he steps in 
and overturns the apple cart because he won't show. And you say, that sounds harsh. Well, I think we have to let God be God. In order for us to know him, we have to let God be God. As much as he loves us, and as much as he loves this world, he's a God of justice. And he's a God of power. And he moves. He does stuff. Right? <clears throat> Look at James 4, 13 and 15. Everybody find it there, right? Now, some of this stuff you'll know as a reality from your own life. James 4, 13 and 14. 13 to 15. Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about somebody with a business plan. Yeah? You know, and um, if we go to UCD or TCD or wherever and we go and take a, take a, take a course uh, in business, they're going to teach us how to plan what we're going to do. They're going to show us how to set goals and how to make our plans and how to set it all up. And how, how we're going to find So that, that's what the, these businessmen are doing. Uh, and they're, they're, they're saying, we're going to do such and such, and we're going to buy and sell, and we're going to make a gain. You know what? It's going to be good. We're going to make out, right? <clears throat> now, James has words for them. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I've got, I've got a plan. I've got a list of stuff. Tomorrow's my day off. I've got a list of stuff I plan on doing tomorrow. You know what? I don't know that I'll be able to do any of it tomorrow. That's my plan, and it's good for me to have a plan of what I'm going to do. But I don't know. I could be sick tomorrow. Somebody else could be sick. I could have something else entirely to deal with, and I wouldn't be able to do. How many times has that happened in your life? You had all your plans, and your plans came to nothing. Because other things encroached upon them. Now, that's, it's not wrong for you to have plans and for you to set goals. That's not what we're saying here. Because, you know, if you just sit around uh, with a fatalistic attitude, well, whatever happens, happens, nothing will happen. Right? <clears throat> so you, you need to make plans. But he says in the next verse what we need to do with it. For what ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Right? So what's he saying? You've got plans for tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's the uh, <clears throat> the 4th of May, 2017. You've got plans for tomorrow. We've all got some kind of a plan for tomorrow. Right? You've got plans for tomorrow. Well, you know what? If the Lord will, if it's the Lord's will, I will do the things I plan to do tomorrow. And you know what? If it's not, it's not going to happen. Because he's in charge. Now, what does that do to you? What does that do to you? Then, yeah, I realize I'm not in control. And I realize he is in control. Now, <clears throat> that's a bit frustrating, isn't it? Because I want to be in control. Basically, I want to be God, and so do you. You want to be able to run the whole show and do, 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 do all that you want, make things happen the way you want to happen them. The way you want them to happen. But no, you're not in control. He's in control. You know what? That makes me recognize my dependence. I think it's no accident that, that England couldn't crown their king on the, uh, on the day. Because I think God said, no, you won't. Not if I say you won't, you won't. And we need to understand that so that we're always in the place where, you know what? If it's his will, I'll do it. And if it's his, not his will, I won't do it. Now, so that does two things for me. First of all, it makes me realize I'm not controlled. It makes me realize I'm dependent upon him. Thirdly, it makes me, <clears throat> it puts me in the place where, you know what? There's not all that pressure on me because he's in charge. I'm, I'm going to plan to do the best I can with my life. But you know what? I have to allow for the fact that he may step in at any moment and take it a different direction. That's frustrating 
But you know what? When I come to the place where I accept that, and I accept that he loves me, he knows what's best, and he has the power to bring it around, now I'm on good ground. You know what? Those three things will drain the stress out of your life like nothing else. They will drain the stress out of your life because he's in charge. You're not. He's God. You're not. Aiden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, <clears throat> that's a good question. It's a question that unsafe people are going to ask us all the time. Now, we as believers have a different take on it, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, but let's go back to Joseph because we've got a kind of a biblical character there that we can work with, right? <clears throat> and we, we, we've got the end of the story too, which very often in the things we're looking at, we don't have the end of the story, right? So we got. So, how do you think Joseph felt when they threw him in the pit? I mean, these are your brothers. I mean, you knew you knew, you knew they didn't like you much, but you never thought they'd go that far, right? You you never thought. And when they hauled you out of the pit and you were sold as a slave? I mean, how would you feel about that? That's, that's totally devastating. Right? That's, a, that, that, that's an absolutely devastating thing. Now, the reason I'm using that story is because we know why God did it. Right? <clears throat> we know why God did it. it, it God just didn't dream up an idea because the brothers were bad brothers. God took that idea and he was going to use that idea for good. Now, think, think through this with me, right? Joseph was a good guy, right? Do you think he would ever have been the man he became without the suffering? Do you, do you think he would ever have been the man that God could trust to stand second in command to Pharaoh. You see, <clears throat> what happened was, Joseph's college, Joseph's training for leadership was in the school of hard knocks. And they're the hardest kind of knocks you can get. Now, could Joseph have turned away? Yeah. He could have turned away. He could have turned away. I mean, well, you know, in a sense, was God taking a risk? Yeah. But you know what? There is no other way to grow us other than through pain. Now, if we get into the nitty-gritty of it and we start looking at different pieces of struggles people have gone through, because we don't know the end of it, we're going to get lost in it. But God uses difficulties to develop us. And yes, we have a choice. And people do say, I can't, I, can't, I can't take this. And they walk away. And other people say, no, I'm going to hang in there. And God blesses them and brings them through it better. I, <clears throat> I think I can safely say this. I have never suffered in the Lord, but it hasn't made me better. Oh, listen, all, listen, all the suffering. <laughs> I mean, given my choice, 
I'd say no to suffering. Right? I, I would just, you know, I, I never embrace it. No, I don't, I don't love it. Um, but I do know at this stage that God's in it. <laughs> the good guys get the good stuff. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Right. Let me let me throw throw out the ultimate fairy tale for for you. Right. <clears throat> this man two thousand years ago hung on a cross and paid the price for my sin, and instead of going to hell, I'm now going to heaven. Right. And you see, part of the problem for us with suffering is. And part of the problem even that a story like Joseph brings up for us is Joseph got it in life. Now, why did Joseph get it in life? Because that was God's plan. And also because God wanted us to see the story. But if I suffer in the Lord, right, and do right, is it possible that I won't be rewarded for it? Is it possible that it's just for nothing? Huh? <laughs> it's not. You see, God's involved in everything, every part of my life. You see, and, and this is the one thing that, that we think we get, but we don't get. Right? You, you, you're looking at, listen, next, you want a nice easy week next week. So do I. I want the sun to shine tomorrow so I can do the work I plan on doing. That, that's the plan. That's what I want. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we're always looking at the, at the, the very near future. Um, and even 10 years down the road is the very near future when you think of it in eternity. Right? We're always looking at the very near future, and God's saying, let's not look there. Let's look beyond that. And what you say is you say, yeah, that's all right, but you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I, I can't see that. Right? But that's where faith comes in. I'm trusting that he is doing me good and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's Mustafa, right? <clears throat> Mustafa is in, um, in Armenia. And <clears throat> he, he's, he, he, he's a spiritual leader in the country. And he had several house churches that were really under his auspices. Now, they're small because they have to be small. Uh, in, in, sorry, in Iran, not Armenia. Uh, <clears throat> they're small. Now, he's been, he's been to prison before. Right now, he's living waiting for the knock on the door. And, you know, prison's not like Mount Joy. You don't have a telly to watch and you don't have the, you know, it's kind of, it's pretty, pretty rough stuff. You go to prison for a year, there's a fair chance that you won't come out of it at all. Right? Now, so he's living and going through that and doing that. And here's the thing. He actually has a choice in it. The Iranian government would be very happy for him to flee. They wouldn't put up an obstacle to that too because he's a, you know, they don't want Christians in the country, but it's kind of awkward dealing with them. Right? So he could actually flee. He could take off in the morning running, you know, which is probably what you or I would do. But he, has, he believes the Lord wants him to stay there because if everybody runs, who's going to bring the gospel to his people? Okay? So we'll say Mustafa goes to prison and in a month he's dead. Was it just for not... Okay, so he doesn't save one person even. Well, hang on, would it? You see, you see, here's the problem. The problem is that we're saying it will be in vain if it doesn't impact the world. Right? God's got a bigger picture in mind. Now, impacting the world is part of God's plan, but impacting the world is not God's plan. God's harvesting a people for eternity. He's working with a much bigger picture involved. So, <clears throat> if you or I have to suffer some pain so that we can have a better resurrection, 
In Hebrews 11, it talks about people getting sown in thunder. Right? <clears throat> and the purpose was a better resurrection. Right? If we have to suffer some pain for a better, better resurrection, God reckons that's a good deal. Now, we have a hard time getting our heads around that. Because we're people of the earth. We're people of terra firma. The other thing, by the way, a couple of things I need to say to you there too. When we talk about suffering and we talk about it in the raw, in other words, we're not there. We're talking about the potentials of what could happen. Right? We're talking about it without the grace that goes with the situation. Did Joseph have grace when he was going through those times? Yeah. Do you have the same grace that Joseph had? No, because you're not going through it. Right? Does Mustafa have grace for what he's going through at the moment? Yeah. Do we? No. So we look at his situation and we go, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't bear that. Oh, I couldn't go there. No, no, no. If God asks you or I to go through something like that, there will be grace available to us to enable us to go through it. Right? <clears throat> so w- w- when, we, when we look at the pain situation, we, can, w- we tend by our very natures to have a very small view of it. And we look at the pain and we think, oh, I couldn't do, couldn't do that. Couldn't go there. That ever happened to me. Uh, I couldn't bear that. But, you know, if we were to talk about the pain we've all suffered in this room, we, we've been through some pretty horrible things. And we've actually come through them. And why we wouldn't, didn't like it so much that we had to go through it again, we were kind of amazed at the grace that was available. I'll never forget Laurie Currington saying to me, uh, it was in the lobby of, of um, Northlow. I asked her how she was doing. I think it was a year after Steve had died. And she said she was doing well. But she said, I wouldn't want the pain back again. But she said, I long for the closeness I had with the Lord after Steve died. And you see, that's what we don't take into account. We can't add this up, two and two two is four and um, four and four is eight. We can't add it up like that because... There's grace for the moment. And by the way, that's the thing you need to depend upon. Sometimes we depend upon the fact, well, God wouldn't let things, bad things happen to me because I couldn't cope with it. No, you can, if God lets it happen to you, you can cope with it. Right? And the promise is not, I will not let bad things happen to you. The promise is, I will be with you. The promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Which means that whatever happens... He will be with me in it. And you see, if I miss that promise, and I'm, I'm in the place where, I can't believe you let this happen to me, I miss grace. There's grace there. We had a story once about a pastor in Chicago who, um, his daughter died. She was nine years old. And it just, he came unglued with her. He could not get a handle on it. He was just, he, he cried every day and there was no way he'd get his head around it. Now, I can understand that. That would be something very hard to, uh, to take. Somebody, long before this, had given him um, uh, Hebrews 12. It, it, it was on his wall. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 12. Or, My grace is sufficient for thee. And it was hanging on his wall and he looked up at it one day. And it said, my grace and is was what hit him. My grace is. And what God was saying to him was, look, I know you're going through it right now, but my grace is sufficient for this. And it was the game changer for him. Because he realized there was grace enough for what he was going through. Didn't mean he didn't cry over his daughter. But that unbearable pain was taken away and he was grieving normally now. And you see, we need to catch that one. I, I can't imagine what it's like to be thrown in a prison and to be beaten for the gospel. I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, I don't want to go there in my head, right? But I do know this. If I ever do have to, his grace is sufficient. That's enough grace. He can take care of me in it. And the same is true for you. <laughs> I don't know what life's going to hold. You know, who knows which of us is going to get cancer? Who knows which of us is going to face the death of a loved one in a car accident? We don't know. Right? But we do know this. 
His grace is sufficient for whatever he asks of me. Now, what we're looking at at the moment, what what this whole uh, series is about, is coming to the place where you understand it's him that's asking of you. It didn't just happen. You know, it didn't just come into into your life because of bad people. It's him that's asking it of you. And since he's asking it of you, he's honor bound to supply the grace you need to go through it. If you can just accept it. Right? So, I mean, they're tough questions. Don't go too far with them. Right? You're better off going backwards on this than going forwards on it. In other words, you're better off looking at what you've been through before as a Christian and how you've seen God help you than trying to look forward and imagine what could happen. Because imagining what could happen is just a disaster. Because anything could happen. But whatever does happen, right, is in the future. You can't see it. Aren't you glad? He will be there. He will be with you in it. His grace will cover you in that time, and he will enable you. That's, that's our promise. That's what, that's, that's what we rest on. Right now, are we are we catching this? Right, let's move on. Let, well, look, it's eight o'clock. Yeah. Okay. I I, I think sadly for many. You see, uh, we talked about this on Sunday morning, <clears throat> that the grace be not in vain. But I think for many Christians, what happens is they're so caught up in the pain of the moment, their theology will be wrong. They'll have been believing God wouldn't ever do this to me. So that when they're faced with it, they're, they're just overcome by it. And what they've got is the one they need. They need, they need to run to God and, and, uh, and, get, in, and get in daddy's arms and, and get comforted. But they're bent out of shape with him as they're going through it. And it's the most painful of all. That's why you, why you look at these things, not when you're going through it. No point, no point you're trying to tell somebody these truths when they're going through pain. They, 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 yeah. Yeah. I want to be happy right now. Yeah. And, you know, we need to see the, see the bigger picture. But if we don't see God in it, and we think it's something that's been imposed upon us, right, um, <clears throat> then what happens is we don't draw near to him in it. Why would you draw near to someone that's just hurting you? You know, you know so you, you need to be in the place where you see, no, 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 he loves me. Don't ever let the enemy shake you loose on that. That's the one he always wants to shake you loose on. Now, he loves me. He knows what's best. And he has the power to do it, so I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. It's so the, 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 this, These truths are so important to us in the crisis moments. And the thing about them is, you can't get them in the crisis moments. You can realize them maybe in the crisis moments, but you have to get these truths. You have to get the corner of them at least before you face the crisis moment because when you're in the crisis moment, you're, you're drowning. You know? I mean... The Bible doesn't tell us, it tells us a lot about Joseph, but it doesn't tell us a lot of other stuff. Where was he spiritually before he went in the pit? Where was he spiritually when the brothers hauled him up and sold him? Sorry, Mary? Well, okay, what if the crisis moment never stops? Right? What if... Okay, well, let's, let's look at it from this one. What about physical pain? Some people have physical pain that won't quit. You know, and the doctors can't stop it. And Yeah.
Okay. Um, let's take it take it to Paul then, right? No, but Paul was living with a thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what it is, and that's good that we don't know what it is, because we, we would say, ah, that's nothing, <laughs> whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you see, Paul had this problem, and, and he asked God to take it away, and God said, no, you're going to have it for the rest of your life, Paul. Now, Paul has two choices at that point. Get bent out of shape, throw the, throw the baby out of the pram, and um, stomp off. Or what he does is, he says, okay, Lord, if that's your will, then I accept it. Now, when he accepts it, there's peace. Okay? Because God's grace now is sufficient for him. Now, the middle ground could be for him this, right? He could say, well, that's not fair. Am I going to continue on serving God? But that's not fair. That's hard. You know, I can't, I can't believe God's let me go through this. Now, he's going to have a miserable ineffective ministry in the middle ground. He's got to embrace it. And you see, when God puts something in your life and says, I'm not taking it away, you've got to embrace it. There's no other way around it. And embracing it opens the door to grace and enables you to live it. Now, how, how, can, how, how, how are you going to prove that in your life? Yeah. But, you've, but the thing is, you've got to embrace it. That's, Paul's wording is very powerful there. I will rather glory in my infirmities. He said, oh, if you put this in my life and it's for my good, hey, listen, and not only am I going to accept it, but I love it. He does a complete attitude change, you know, a, you know, a complete 360 or an 180-degree turn on it, and he, he accepts it. Now, everything in your life is not put there by God to last forever. But some things are. And, you know, again, if we, if we went around the room, the room and talked about it, we'd all have something that is in our lives that's not quitting, that's not going away. Something that we're just kind of dealing with, and it's, yeah, it's not going away, it's not quitting. And... What you've got to do is you've got to make friends with it. doesn't mean, to, you know, and sometimes we think, well, if I make friends with it, it'll never change. That's not true. God can still change it even if you make friends with it. But you've got to make friends with it. You've got to come to the place where you accept what he's doing. You, know, you stop fighting with him. You can't enjoy grace and fight with him at the same time. And we do. We don't accept, we fight. Well, Yeah. 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 I, I think it was for Paul. Uh, it was clearly that Paul was Paul, Paul. Paul had the potential for pride because of all he had seen and all that he'd been. Re- I think his personality type too. He had the potential because he was the man, and he had the potential for feeling he was the man. And so God put this in his life uh, to keep him humble. Which is pretty hard. But God knows what's best. Joe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those things were... Yeah, those, those, those things were things that could make him, make him proud, right? Now... Here's the thing, though. Are you saying that we don't have that same revelation of God? Okay. We haven't seen him. Now, that's, 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 that's true and not true. Right? Why haven't we seen... What stops us from seeing more of God? Doubting, okay. What did you say, Vincent? Who said? Flesh, Okay. Flesh gets in the way. Good, good, good shot there. The flesh gets in the way uh, of us seeing. The Bible says that follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see God. Right. So you gotta, you gotta follow after God. 
to see him. Here's the thing. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. You and I can have as much of God as we want. I can't, I can't, I can't bring revival to the church in the sense that everybody has the same, and you can't either. But you know what? I can have as much of God as I want. And that, that's the reality. You know, we're talking about this up in the men's home yesterday. <clears throat> the, um, here's the deal for us, right? We love sin. And we love the flesh. And we're not prepared to do away with sin in our lives unless we get a better offer. Right? But the problem is, we don't see Christ as being a better offer. Right? <clears throat> and so we kind of dabble in sin. But when I come to the place where I say, no, you know what? Sick and tired of this messing around. I'm sick and tired of sin. I want all of God I can possibly have. Something happens. Something changes inside of us. You know, <clears throat> and we begin uh, to actually enjoy something of him. Because your relationship with God is not supposed to be one where you're working at it and working at it and working at it. And bless God, you're hanging faithful to the end. And for oftentimes for Christians, that's what it is. Your relationship with God is supposed to be the sweetest relationship in your life. That's what he wants, and that's what's best for you. So, if you'll give him a chance, he will show you he's the best. He's the pearl of great price. He's the one that can satisfy you, and nobody else can. Sin never will. People never can. The world never can, but he will satisfy and nobody else can. And then what happens is you're not trading something you love for something, oh man. What happens is because you love him and you love the relationship with him, you want him and you don't want sin because it gets in the way. David. Okay, well, two thoughts for you, right? First of all, yes, faith. Faith is always a key issue for us, right? God wants us to trust him. He could make it all absolutely, you know, undeniably, evidently true for us, but he wants us to trust him by faith, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Do you know that you have something, all those people that saw Jesus feed 5,000 people, still the waves didn't have, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have God living in you. They didn't have that. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. I mean, in other words, it's good for you. It's better for you that I go away. Because if I go not away, then the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go away, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be another comforter, someone like me, but an individual other comforter. So yes, we haven't seen him, but we've experienced something that they didn't experience. No, you see, here's the, here's the problem. If he, was, if he wasn't around and he was still alive today, we'd all have to go to Jerusalem on trips to see him. Yeah, but they don't see him there. And you, I mean, I want to go to Jerusalem. Uh, and see see the whole of But you know, Jesus is not there. He will be there one time again, but that's not where he is. You know what I mean? That would be nice to walk the places where he walked. I mean, that'd be great. But he's not there. He's here. Right? So you've got to keep that in mind. Mikey, did you have your hand up? Oh, you've forgotten, haven't you? <laughs> Well, no, there is a balance, right? Here's what people say. People say, you're so heavenly-minded, you're not earthly good, right? That's a lie. Because heavenly-minded people are going to do what the Holy Spirit wants them to do. And the Holy Spirit wants us to do a whole lot of things down this level. So if I'm following God with my heart sold out to God and following God and on my way to heaven and realizing I'm, I'm a child, what's going to happen is it's going to impact everything I do. 
It's going to impact me in the workplace. It's going to impact me in my family. It's going to impact me uh, with the policeman on the street. It's going to impact me in everything I do. So, um, in a sense, there's, there's not a balance. That's the focus. And all the rest of this then works out. Right? <clears throat> okay, we should, we should probably close, guys. Um, <clears throat> we'll come back to, to, our, to our lesson next week. But, but hang with it. By the way, if you want to get the book, the book... Uh, it's on Audible as well. It's Trusting God uh, by Jerry Bridges. Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. Well worth uh, taking the time to listen to. I'm going through it pretty closely, but you're going to get uh, stuff from him that you're obviously not going to get from me. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you for the questions, Lord, and for the heart searching, and for, Lord, uh, a people that want to know and want to learn. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you work in our hearts? Would you help us? Uh, to see and to know and to understand you in a deeper way. And may your blessing fall upon us, and may we be swept into your love, Lord, and swept into your grace, and may we live lives, Lord, uh, that count and that show the wonders of, of, of a God that loves us. In Jesus' name, amen.